Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just want to honor and humble ourselves before you now. And ask, God, that you would accomplish all of your purposes and all of your desires in us today. Father, we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds and our spirits to you. And just want to receive from you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Bless us, Lord. Bless us, Lord, with knowing you. Bless us, Lord, with an encounter with you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Um, I'm going to uh, read some Bible with you, if that's okay. I love afternoons. This is when you can say controversial things and hope that the, uh, anybody who's easily offended is taking their nap, so... I don't know if it works that way, but, uh, you know, sometimes you pray and hope. But I don't say any controversial things, so praise the Lord. Yeah, that's, uh, that's other people's jobs. Um, the Bible says, don't be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. So I'm going to talk, and then uh, my friend Angela's going to come, and she's going to do, um, so, that we can, uh, so that we can fulfill that verse. But uh, I want to read a little out of Revelation chapter 3. I'm going to... Um, bounce a little bit um, here and uh, just see if we can connect on something that's um, been on my heart in this season and something I think God is doing in our church and um, perhaps in yours as well. In Revelation 2 and 3, as you know, Jesus um, dictates seven letters to seven churches of the ancient world. And uh, I've always thought that they were um, emblematic of, of actual churches, that, you know, these are templates and patterns for the way that real churches operate. And so in every season of life, I'm going through this and wondering, you know, which one is me right now? Um, but the one that, that I felt a real connection with, um, just personally, as a matter of conviction, um, is here in Revelation 3. It's the Church of Philadelphia, and I just want to read it to you and um, see if maybe we can, um, we can relate together. And to the angel of the Church of Philadelphia write, the words of the Holy One, the True One, who is the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one will open. I know your works. Behold, I set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, 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 I know, that's hallelujah, yeah, yeah. But, but the next one, I, I know you have but little power. Whenever I read that, it just, it just sears me. You know, it's one of those things that like, you don't like to believe is true, but you know is true. And it says, I know you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews but are not, but lie, Behold, I will make them come and bow before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world, to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have, that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall you go out of it. 
And I'll write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, who comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. Who, who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So I, um, the Church of Philadelphia practices a type of Christianity that I call stalemate Christianity. And it goes like this. You really love God, and it's true. The love for God is true, and it's real. It's real, and it has effect in your life. And so the devil can't come and mess with you. He, the, the Lord protects you. He blesses you. Good things are happening in your church. Good things are happening in your family. Your kids are growing up. You're getting jobs. You're being blessed. You're buying houses. Things are working out. But you also can't destroy the works of the enemy. And you know it. And so it's still me, Christianity. The devil can't destroy you because you've been blessed by God. But you can't destroy the devil because you don't have the power to do it. And so you live in this tension where we then have to make religion feel really interesting because, you know, what else are we going to do? And so church is reduced to, uh, you know, apple pie baking contests and uh, <laughs> do we have wings or ribs at the barbecue and how do we make our Bible study, uh, you know, a little bit more dynamic and, and things of that nature. And when I was growing up, this is a classic example, right? When I was growing up um, for Halloween, our church had a fall festival. Because we're not going to go out and celebrate Halloween. We, we understand that. But we also didn't feel like we could go out and destroy Halloween. And so we had a fall festival, and it was fun. It was interesting. It was great. We had kids, and I, I won a raffle. It's the only time I've ever won a raffle in life. <laughs> I won a raffle. It was awesome. Um... But that's the reality of church for a lot of people. The devil can't destroy you because he can't overcome the blessing of God on you. But you can't, you can't destroy the devil. And then we become content in that place and stay in that place and don't desire to get out of that place. It just, and then we busy ourselves building churches and church growth seminars. Church growth seminars are a very bad idea because unless you're growing your church by evangelizing, which is destroying the works of the devil, you're just stealing from other churches. What, like, what, why, why is that interesting? Why, why, why are there conferences about this? About how to make your church a little bit more attractive so the other church down the street loses members. Like, what, what, what's the fun of that? I don't want members from other churches, actually. It, if you're somebody else's problem, <laughs> please keep it that way. <laughs> I don't really understand. So, so anyways, um, so that's, does that make any sense? Stalemate Christianity. Does anybody have any experience with stalemate Christianity? I feel like this is the story of my life. You don't have to raise your hand. It's a little embarrassing, but <laughs> I'll confess so that we can all relate to each other, but you just nod secretly in your heart. That's okay. We're good with that. One of the biggest deceptions of Western theology is that the devil is powerless now that he doesn't exist, that he doesn't do anything, that he, he's kind of just waiting for the lake of fire. And in the meantime, he's just, you know, twiddling his thumbs. And we don't feel that there's any work for the believer to do in ha having victory in the spirit. I would say things like, well, Jesus won it all on the cross. That's true. That's true. He did, he did win it all on the cross. He did defeat the enemy on the cross. But of course, he also won over sickness, and we're still sick. And we still want to heal. 
So if you can still be sick and Jesus, you know, did that on the cross too, why is it that the devil can't do anything? Do you know a full third of miracles that Jesus did had to do with casting out demons? It seems like that was a big part of his ministry. But more important than that, it's actually integral to kingdom growth. I have a suggestion to make. We will never see revival in this country until we look the enemy in the eye and confront him and defeat him. In Luke chapter 11, the uh, Pharisees are coming and they're accusing Jesus of casting out demons by the hand of the prince of demons. You, do you remember that? And Jesus gives a, gives a little spiel about how, you know, house divided cannot stand, blah, blah, blah. And then he says something that's like extra credit, but totally awesome because it's, it's, you know, it's just totally awesome. And I never saw the verse this way until, you know, fairly recently. And he said, but if I cast out devils by the finger of God, then the kingdom of heaven has come upon you. Wait a minute. He says, but if I cast them out by the finger of God, then the kingdom of heaven has come upon you. If you want to see the kingdom of heaven come upon you, you need to cast them out by the finger of God. Like, it's not... It, it, it's not particularly optional. It's not like, it's not like we're going to leave the devil alone, but we're just going to have revival. Jesus is like, you know, we're going to have revival, but we're not going to worry about him. But we're just going to have revival. Imagine the two teams were playing a game, sports, anything, you know, armies at war. Wouldn't you love for your enemy to believe you don't exist? It seems like a really good idea to convince them that you don't really exist. And believing the devil doesn't exist is, is a delusion. It does not take away from the glory of God to know that the devil exists. In fact, I, I feel like the reason that, that God allows the devil to continue to exist on the earth is so that his church can learn how to whoop him. It doesn't like, it doesn't, uh, it, it, it does not in any way diminish my worship of Jesus to acknowledge that we have an enemy, that he exists, and that he has power, and God has granted to him. He's not God. He's just a figment of God's imagination, but, but, but he exists. You know, he's not, he's as real as you and I. He's as real as, as the people in this room. He's as real as you and I. And as long as we believe that he doesn't exist, and he can't touch us, and he can't do anything to us, and he has no power, and he's just, you know, if he exists, he's just hanging out. We don't mess with him, and, and he, he messes with us. God says in Hosea chapter 4, of course, that my people perish for lack of knowledge. Ignorance is not wisdom. And willful blindness is not God's will for us. It's, it's just not. And as long as we are willfully blind, uh, we're, we're never going to win. I think it's the will of God for, um, Angela has a, uh, has a saying, she, like, she said, you know, we run this town. Yeah. But we don't yet, but we should. And we can. And that's the will of God, that the kingdoms of this earth would become the kingdoms of our Christ. That's his will. His will is that you would run this town, Parsippany, in New York or Boston or wherever you're from. That's his will. And every single day where we have a fall festival instead of confronting Halloween is a day in which we are comfortable with stalemate. But God has not created us for stalemate. He's created us for victory. He's created us for victory. There's, um, 
There's a saying I really love that comes out of Star Wars. I don't know if, Star Wars, by the way, is a very occultic movie. I don't know if you know that. Um, but, but, but sometimes the devil says things that are true, and I love it. So in Star Wars, um, this might not be the only Star Wars quote of the day, just so you... <laughs> In number eight, when uh, Kylo Ren is you know, becoming more powerful, Snoke says this, he says, darkness rises and light to meet it. He says, as you become more powerful in the dark side of the force, your equal in the light will rise. And there's, there, I remember um, watching it the first time and hearing that, and I was like, wow, there's something very profound about this, that in order for us as a body of Christ to rise in the light, we have to confront the darkness that exists in our day. The reason that God allows darkness to thrive and to prosper is for us to, to have an opportunity to rise to a place, to meet it, and to confront it and overcome it, because that's how the sons of God mature. First John chapter 3, John says, the Son of Man appeared... To do what? To destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came, to destroy the works of the devil. Not to play church, not to have nice revival meetings, not, to, not, to, not even to do conferences like this. I mean, we enjoy serving the church, we love the church, but, like, but, but we can't just do this all day long. It can't just be, it's not just worship, in other words. Like he has set us, if, if all God wanted us to do was worship, we should have had the rapture a long time ago. Because we could do a much better job of that in heaven. And then you don't have mixing problems and, you know, all the, you know, let, power problems and all, just all sorts of things that, that, that mess with you. You don't have any of that stuff. We should just do that in heaven. He keeps us here because it is also his will for us to remain on the earth, to destroy the works of the devil, not just to be blessed or to find jobs or buy houses or start businesses or, oh, God, thank you, I wasn't laid off, you know, along with 10,000 other people at, at Facebook this week. But that's not the reason we exist on the earth is to thank you, Jesus, for saving me from this disaster and that accident, this illness, but it's to actually go out and to win. Not to enjoy stalemate. There's nothing enjoyable about stalemate. There's nothing enjoyable about praying and, and hoping that God protects you from something you don't have any power over out there and settling for that. For a lot of Christians, that's the only response we know. When we see darkness around us, we huddle up in our houses, just like the disciples did after, you know, when Jesus was crucified. They huddled in their houses and they just prayed and hoped that nobody would come after them. And we do that, you know, in COVID, when they shut things down, we we're just like, well, we're going to huddle in a little church and we're going to hope they don't come and shut us down and arrest us. And, and we're just going to try to try to survive here. But God hasn't called us to survive. He's called to destroy, to destroy, to destroy, to destroy the works of the enemy to destroy it. And every single day that we do not is another day that we tolerate and put up with something that God does not put up with. The church of Philadelphia had this problem. Jesus says, behold, I set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. But that doesn't mean that he forces you to walk through it. He just sets the door before you. He doesn't force you to walk through it. He says, I've given you power and authority over all the power of the enemy, over snakes and scorpions, but he doesn't force you to use it. He just says, it's yours. It's yours, it's yours, but you don't have to do that. And that's what the Church of Philadelphia had. They had an open door, but no desire to actually go and grab a hold of that power. And then to sit and be content with patient endurance. There's something that I can really sympathize with. Endurance and faithful endurance is so valuable, we know there's a heavenly reward. And so when we do it, it's very easy to become content in the value of knowing that there's a reward in enduring. Does that make any sense? Like we feel like we're doing something godly because we are. And we feel like there's a reward for what we're doing because there is. And Jesus is not mad at the church of Philadelphia. He's just, we're just confronting reality now. The reality is that you're doing a good job. You believe the Bible. You're holding fast to the word. You believe every word of it. You're not overcoming. You're just 
holding on and there's a reward for that and he loves you and, and, and there's a place in heaven for you and you're not a false church. There's none of that stuff. It's a good thing to patiently endure. But there's also more and, and we can step into it. So he says this next line, right, in, in, in verse 9. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews but are not, but lie. Did you know that there is a synagogue of Satan? Yes. Uh, yeah, I know you know. <laughs> <laughs> because there's a lot of Christians that do not believe this anymore. There are people, not demons, humans, who strategically, in an organized fashion, work to destroy the works of God. And we don't even believe they exist. The synagogue of Satan in your own city, you don't believe they exist. There's a man uh, who was a conservative scholar, Bible scholar. I think he was British. I don't remember his nationality, but he was he raised in a very conservative denomination. And uh, in his denomination, they taught what probably many of you were taught when you were young, but you're not going to leave this room with this uh, delusion, that Christians cannot be tormented by demons. And so everything that is, you know, if you're a believer, if anything bad happens in your life, you're either not a real believer, uh, or uh, there's uh, unrepentant sin, um, there's a uh, 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 you know, uh, just chemical imbalances. There's, there's all sorts of explanations, but, but it's not a demon. We know for a fact that it's not a demon, but it could be a range of other things. You know, science is mysterious. We don't know everything there is to know about the human body, and accidents happen, and, and you know, bad things happen to good people, and, and the chance, and, and all sorts of explanations. You know, it's just bad luck. But it's not a demon. It couldn't be a demon because, because we know for a fact. We know for a fact. We're scholars. We have PhDs, lots of them. So we know for a fact that demons do not mess with Christians anymore. They can't. They don't have the power to do it. Um, do you know? And, uh, but, but it could be anything else other than that. That we're sure of. But everything else, you know, could be anything. Uh, and, and he was raised in this. He was very confident in it. And, uh, and as he moved along in his career, he was, a, he was a wonderful man of God, full of integrity, full of uh, a lot of things that, that we should all be in. And, and, and so he grew up in the ranks of his denomination. Eventually, they put him in charge of debriefing the missionaries that the denomination sent out uh, to the foreign missions field. And these are all great missionaries that, you know, they would get them trained up and indoctrinated with the, uh, with the ideas of the denomination. They would send them out for stints and they would come back home for sabbaticals. It was his job to debrief them. And he noticed after doing this for a long time that all the missionaries that sent out, not believing that demons had any power, could do anything, all came back with stories of demonized people who needed deliverance. And the only way to get victory in a village to plant a church was to confront the demon. They, they all came back with the same story. And, and, and he had no idea why he was high in the denomination now, but he never heard of stories like this. He, he didn't know that this was happening. He, 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 the, nobody around him talked about any of this, and he had no idea why. And, and, so, and so at some point, he just became just very very confused by the, the difference between what he knew to be true, because he's a Bible scholar, as part of a good denomination, and what every missionary that he was debriefing from the field was telling him. And so he just sat down one day and he said, either every single missionary that this denomination sends out is lying, or we're wrong. Now, I know we're not wrong, <laughs> but he says it's very difficult to believe that every single one of them 
all different nations. And there's, no, there's, no, there's no collusion here, do you know? All different nations, all sorts of different places, all sorts of different experiences. They're not predisposed to all lie in the same way. That would be difficult to believe. He says, I don't know what to think, but, but he just said, maybe, maybe. Short while after, he was uh, doing uh, some Christian counseling. There was a, a young woman who came to him, and, and there were some strange things happening in her life. And, uh, and, and so they were doing some Christian counseling. And so he sat down in the room with her, and they were praying and you know, doing all the things, you know, gently praying and asking the Holy Spirit to touch her and, and things like that. And no, it was really working very well. And, and so he said, um, do you mind if I try something? And the woman said, oh, I'm desperate. You try whatever you want. And, uh, and he said, well, you know, I've never done this before. I, I, I'm going to do something that I think is crazy, crazy. But, 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 but just, you know, just lean back and close your eyes and let me just try something. And she said, great, okay. So she leans back and closes her eyes and, and, he, and he, like, in barely a whisper, because he's embarrassed to even think about doing it, he says, if there are any evil spirits in this woman, come out. Just like that. And nothing happened. And this was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I was about to be shaken. My, the entire, all of the pillars of my doctrinal understanding are about to be shaken. Oh, thank God. And, and, and something inside of him just says, well, why don't you just try it again? And he says, oh, okay, just to, be, just to be sure, just going to try it again. So he says, a little bit louder, maybe, you know, it's just, I just want to be, I just want to be doubly sure. Let's try it again. He says, if there are any evil spirits in this woman, please come out. And no, nothing happens. Nothing happens. And, and so he's like, oh, thank God. Uh, I mean, two times, that's a, real, that's a real risk, but that's a confirmation. Thank, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He says, oh, thank you, Jesus. So relieved. And then just something inside of him says, well, why don't you just try again? As a, oh, God. Okay, three times. I'm supposed to be really, really, really short. I want to be really short. You know, really short? Oh, I want to be really short. And he says, okay. Any evil spirit, no, a little bit louder now, a little bit more assertive now, any evil spirits in this woman, come out. And the woman begins to cackle in a deep voice that she can't make, <laughs> cackling. And then her head lifts up, she's leaning back, her head lifts up, her eyes open, and the most evil smile comes on her face. And then a man's voice speaks to him, and he says, I'm an evil spirit. And he says, I stood with Lucifer in the cosmic revolt. I've been rebelling against God since before man walked the earth. You want me to come out? You better try a little harder than that. Let's go. The woman, the woman goes back into her. And he's stunned. Totally shocked, completely amazed, completely stunned, mind blown. Decades and decades and decades of scholarly experience. Decades, I mean, PhDs in demonology, books of demonology, just wow. throw them out. Wow. Woman comes, opens her eyes, she says, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> well, he knows that he, he, he's, he's totally out of his depths. And so he's like, can't do anything about this. But afterwards, he made a public confession. He said, we were wrong. We were wrong. The enemy exists. There's a pastor in California that 25 years ago, he was possessed with this idea, you know, that 
church is just about worshiping Jesus, having a great service, and doing good works. Doing good works, you know, and his church did a lot of that. They helped the homeless, and they, um, you know, just uh, volunteered in the community, and, and did a lot, of, a lot of good works type things, and that's, that's what he just thought his church was supposed to do, which is what many of us think that our church is supposed to do. And, uh, and there's nothing wrong with any of that, but, but one day, um, uh, a prophet began to, to you know, get on him about, about learning about deliverance. He didn't want to do, he didn't want to do any of that. He just, he didn't want to do any of that. And eight years passed and he still didn't want to do any of that. And, and, uh, and, and one day, um, uh, he, was, he was going to Pensacola. This is in 1996 or seven, I think, in the Pensacola Revival, which some of you knew. He was going to visit there for a weekend. And, uh, and, um, and as he was uh, getting ready to go, um, a woman in his church called him and he said, hey, pastor, I, I need some help. And he said, um, okay, uh, what's going on? And he says, she said, um, I think my, my children are demon-possessed. And uh, he says, no, no. They're just hitting puberty, you know. <laughs> Things happen in life, you know. They're not demon-possessed. We don't believe, Christians can't be demon It's not possible. And, uh, and so she says, well, I don't know what it is, but they're acting really weird. I mean, it's something. And uh, you're, you're the pastor, so I'm calling you. Please come and help. And he said, well, I, well, I, well, I can't help because I'm, I'm going to the revival. Um, so he says, I, I, I can't help because we're, we're, we're going to the revival. Uh, but, but he said, why don't you just tell me what's going on and, and I'll pray about it. And uh, I know it's not a demon, but, but at least God can tell me what it is and I'll, I'll pray about it. And then when I come back, we'll, we'll, we'll you know, set up something on the calendar and you can come in and we'll, we'll, we'll sort it out. I'll, I'll, I'll try to help. And she said, okay. So she has three kids and she's the head of the nursery program at their church. Been there a very long time. And uh, so she has three kids and she says, okay, so my, my oldest is a son. And she said, um, one day, we were just having dinner. He's uh, pre-puberty, maybe 10, 11 years old, something like that. I don't remember the details, something like that. And, uh, and they're, they're, having, they're having dinner at the dinner table. And uh, her son sits down, his, his, um, and, and he just says, Mom, Dad, I am a homosexual. And uh, his dad says, Son, what did you say? And he says, just matter of fact, I am a homosexual. And his dad said, don't you dare say that in this house. You want a whooping? And, uh, and he says, no. He says, okay, then shut up. Eat your dinner. And, uh, and she said, so, so my son obeyed. And mom and dad are looking at each other like, what on earth is going on? And, uh, and so a few weeks went by and nothing happened. And then a few weeks later, it happens again at the dinner table. And sits down and he says, mom, dad, I am a homosexual. And Dad says, okay, I told you, you're not allowed to say that in this house. And he said, I told you you're going to get a whooping. Now you're going to get it. Go to your room, and I'm going to go in a few minutes. I'm going to whoop you. And so son puts down his, his, his dinner, and he, you know, he leaves, and he goes up to, the, uh, goes up to his room. And, and dad is like you know, furious, absolutely furious. He's a good Christian man. This doesn't happen to his children. That's not, you know, it's not, it's allowed. It's, it, it, he thinks that his, son, his son's just being rebellious. And, uh, and so he goes up and he's ready to whip his son. And the Holy Spirit just, you know, when those thoughts come at you, they're smarter than you are. So the Holy Spirit just puts an in, in inclination is in, his, in his mind. And he says, ask your son what a homosexual is. And so he says, I'm going to give you a whooping. But first, I want you to tell me what is a homosexual? 
And his son says, I don't know. And so dad takes a step back and the Holy Spirit says, ask him why he thinks he's a homosexual. And so, so dad says, son, then why do you think that you're a homosexual? Did, did someone at school tell you that? Did you hear that in a movie or did you read something that, like, wh- why do you think that? And the son begins to cry and he says, dad, there's a voice in my head. It's, it's been playing for weeks and weeks and it just says, I'm a homosexual, I'm a homosexual, I'm a homosexual, I'm a homosexual. If I don't say it, I can't get it to stop. And so dad grabbed a hold of his son and he said, and he was just like, I, son, I don't know what's going on. I said, I don't know what's going on. But you're not getting a whooping today, <laughs> but we're, we're, we're gonna figure this out. And so she relayed this to her pastor and pastor says, yeah, kids, you know, playground and yeah, they hear things, you know, kids, they just, who knows? And he said, okay, my daughter. For the last several weeks, my daughter has been saying that a dragon appears in her room every night. And so pastor says, it's not possible. She says, yep, every night a dragon appears in her room and when it does, she yells at the top of her voice, she runs out of her room, she comes into our room. And I've tried to bring her back to her room and she just points at it, like, like there's something in her room. I can't see it. As far as I can tell, she's imagining things. I can't see it, but she does. And she just points at it and is like, dragon! And like, will not go into her room, will not, she just won't, will not stay there. She refuses to stay there. She just won't do it. And pastor's like, has she been playing with Pokemon cards? And, and the, the woman's like, shame on you, pastor. My daughter is not an idiot. She knows the difference between a Pokemon dragon and a real dragon. It's not in her imagination. And the pastor says, oh, I don't know what to do with this. And then her third kid, uh, I forget, I don't want to go through the full story, but it's some fear and anxiety and things like that. And the pastor says, okay, when we come home, we'll, we'll deal with it. So he gets home and, and the woman rushes into his office and, and she, he says, I can't do this right now. She says, we, we have to do this. Just, it'll just take a minute. And so all the kids are there. Mom is there. Dad is there. Their three kids are there. And they sit in the pastor's office. He says, okay, I got 20 minutes and I got to go do this marriage counseling thing and the whole thing. And so... And so they sit down and, and she says, listen, pastor, like my kids are, demon, are demonized. And, and so the couple, you know, said, okay, take the kids somewhere else. Let's just pray, you know, you and your husband, let's write what's going on. So he sits down and, and, and he says, any demons in this family? Show yourself. The woman instantly began slithering like a snake out of her chair, twisting her back in a way that she cannot do. The pastor stands up, jumps, ah! The husband says, ah! The husband looks at the pastor and says, what did you do to my wife? Pastor's like, what did I do to your wife? Why'd you bring your wife into my office this way? He's like, what do we do? What do we do? So anyways, they spent, he canceled his marriage counseling. (laughs) Never rebuked a demon in his life before. Spent five or six hours casting demons out of the woman. Seven demons came out. And then afterwards, she's like, "Um, husband went home took the kids home and the and, and husband was like, give me my wife back. And says, oh, I'll try. And just cast demon out, demon depth. So 11 o'clock at night or something like that, you know, the woman finally comes to and, and she said, oh, where is everybody? What happened? And the pastor's like, what is the last thing you remember? She said, oh, I closed my eyes and we were going to pray. He said, five hours has gone by. 
and we cast seven demons out of you. And he says, see, I knew it. There are demons in my family. And so the pastor says, um, I, I, <laughs> okay, you're not going anywhere until I understand what just happened. Because she's the head of their nursery program. Do you understand? Like all the two-year-olds and three-year-olds in the entire church are under her care. And, and that's no bueno. 1,600 people in that church, they all entrust their toddlers to her every Sunday. And so he says, I, I, we need to figure out, we need to get to the bottom of this. Like, wh- why are there demons in your life? He said, have you ever done witchcraft? No. Have you ever played with a Ouija board? No. Do you read Harry Potter? No. <laughs> so, so they went to do the list. Like, why is there, like, said, okay, I, I, I don't understand. Is, is, has there been, ever been anything weird that has ever happened to you in your life? Anything weird at all? And she said, well, nothing weird, but... When I was a kid, one time, uh, uh, she didn't grow up with her dad. Dad had left. She grew up with mom. And she said, uh, when I was a kid, one time, um, I was playing on the first floor of our house. And the basement door was, was open. I went over to take a look at what was, I was going to go down to the basement. And my mom grabbed me and said to me, if you ever go to the basement, I will kill you. And this pastor said, uh, so what was in the basement? And she said, am I dead? <laughs> this pastor said, no way. No way. So I would have gone to the basement next time your mom went to Walmart. She's like, nope. And this pastor said, you are not curious? Like, not even a little. She's like, do I want to die? She's like, okay, fine, fine. This pastor said, what if your mom's a witch? And she said, my mom's not a witch. She comes to this church. She's on the intercessory team. So so pastor's like, okay, okay, what happened? Do you know anything about what happened in that basement? And she said, well, my mom would go down to the pray. She would go down to there to pray. And uh, and he said, okay, is there anything weird about the way she prayed? And she'd be like, yeah, she would light candles every time she prayed. And he said, that's weird. And he says, no, some people just pray that way. Okay, all right, all right. Is there anything else that was weird? And she said, well, sometimes people would send cards of people's photos on them for my mom to pray for them. And uh, said, that's weird. Your mom's a witch. She said, no, no, no. Said, is there anything else that's weird? Well, she said, well, that's how my mom made her living. People would send her cards of people to pray for, and, and then she would get paid. And bad things would happen to them. And the worst thi- the thing that happened to them, the more that she would get paid. And that's how we made a living. That's how, you know, nice house and the whole thing. And, and that's how I've been raised the whole time. And, uh, and, and then she said, but pastor, you know my mom. She comes to this church. And pastor's like, uh, okay. And then pastor says, is there anything else that we should know about your mom? And she said, well, my mom actually goes to two churches. She goes to this church, and then she goes to this other church. It's called the Temple of something or other, Iota or something, something like that. And, and she said, I, don't, I went to that church once. I didn't like it at all. So I, I just come here. But she said, my mom, she goes here on Sundays and then Wednesdays or whatever, she goes to that church. And she calls that church her family, but she comes to this church to, you know, because I'm here. And uh, pastor says, you mean that satanic temple they just opened down the road? 
She said, oh, that's a satanic temple? I didn't know that. No, my mom goes to church there. She says it's a Christian church. And, and he looks at me and says, oh my God, this woman is on our intercessory team. We need to get her off of our intercessory team now. Real story, folks. Yep, and that's everywhere in this country. I'm not for demon hunting or anything like that. I don't like spiritual mapping. I don't like, I, I don't like any of that stuff. I don't know. No like, I, I don't like. I just like to worship Jesus. But the problem is that Jesus said, if I cast out devils by the finger of God, then the kingdom of heaven has come upon you. Then, and only then, will the kingdom of heaven come upon you. No other way. You can't do it unless you destroy the works of the devil. You'll never have a revival in this country. You'll never win your town or your city while the works of the devil are not destroyed. So in Acts chapter 19, which is a story of the revival of Ephesus, which I'm not going to read because I want to give Angela time here to do what she does best, kicking butts and taking names. Somebody's got to do it, yeah. Somebody's got to do it. In Acts chapter 19, Paul, um, it's a story of um, the quote-unquote revival of Ephesus, except it's a very interesting story. It's the greatest outpouring of miracles in the New Testament. The Bible actually says that God did extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. I, I don't know what extraordinary miracles are. I, I feel like if we just got to miracles, like modest miracles perhaps, <laughs> you know, we would, we would be in a better place than we are now. But, but in Ephesus, God did extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. And the very next paragraph, it says that, that the people that became converted by the extraordinary miracles that Paul were doing, they brought their occult books, their magic books, and they put them together and burned them. And the value of those books was 50,000 pieces of silver. Friends, this is, this is not some small hidden thing in some dark room. That was the whole city. I mean, everybody in the city was engaged in the occult. And here's the interesting thing, right? So God does this mighty work and people are getting saved. And the very next thing, it says is that there was a temple of Artemis or Diana, depending on your, that was, that was in the city. And it was the main temple in, the, in that part of the ancient world. And everybody went there to worship. And what happened is that one of the, the silversmiths, you remember, that, that was worshiping at the temple, he stirred up the whole city and caused a riot. Do you remember that? And because of the riot, Paul was going to go into the riot, but his friends were like, no, 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 that's the foolishness. <laughs> so they kicked him out of the town. And and Paul, as, at least as far as the Bible tells us, never went back to Ephesus. In chapter 20, he speaks with the, uh, the elders of the church at Ephesus in a town that's 30 miles outside the city. You can work miracles, but if you do not deal with the temple of Artemis, your revival is not going anywhere. Paul did the miracles, extraordinary, extraordinary miracles, but he didn't deal with the temple. And because he did not deal with the temple, the power of darkness was able to stir up a riot in that city that got Paul kicked out of the city so that he could not continue to do the work of God in that city. It's not a joke. It, I, I, for as long as I've been alive, I wish that like, our only job was to worship God and get light and more light and more light and more light and ignore the darkness, but it's not a joke. 
There is, this is, it's, it's just the way that things work in this world, that there is light and there is darkness, and our job is not just to seek the light, but to destroy the darkness. And if we refuse to look the darkness in the eyes and confront it, we're not going anywhere with our desires for revival and evangelism and everything else. We're not going anywhere. And it doesn't matter how many prayer vigils we hold in our little closets, like, oh God, you know, please, you know, let this fall festival be especially festive. It just, it doesn't, I think God wants us to destroy the power of Halloween, not just to, you know, hand out candy at church. And it's not, I, I, I can't get away from it. I, I, I feel like there's a, 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 a victory of the cross that we have not experienced and will not taste of unless we're willing to stare the devil in the eyes and defy him and cast him out in the name of Jesus. I, I just, we have to go after it. In our personal lives, in our, in our families, in our churches, in our communities, I, I don't want to be one of those churches that's always looking for a devil to cast out. I, I, have, I have no business doing that. I, I want to worship Jesus. I want him to have all of our attention and devotion, but I also don't want to be blind. I just want to be real. I want to be real about the fact that there are idols that stand in so many different places in the world today, and if we don't deal with the Temple of Artemis, if we pretend that it's just pretend, then we're not going anywhere. That, by the way, is still alive. That spirit of Diana is still alive. That's what Wonder Woman is. I don't know if you know that. It's, this, it's an idol. It's not, uh, and, and we have our, our kids and they wear the costume and everything and we're like, oh, it's just make-believe. It's not make-believe. If the devil can get you to believe that it's just make-believe, then you're, of course you're never gonna go against it. If, if you are willing to believe that everything that Marvel shows or Harry Potter, it's just, it's all make-believe, but you don't realize that these are things that suck a generation of people into the darkness, and we have no answer for it because we don't believe the darkness exists. We just believe that there's different measures of light. There's less light, there's more light. My church is more light. That church down the street is less light, but thank God for us. That's not the way the world is. It's just not the way the world is. Everything that people put faith in, apart from God, is something for us to tear down. The American dollar, the American military, idols, literal statues. There's literally a statue on one of our, your campuses where people go and they rub the foot. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's an idol. And you've got to go and confront the power that holds it up. Otherwise, you're never going to see revival. If you don't bind the strong man, you're not taking his house. And we're just scared to bind the strong man. Oh, what if, what if the devil comes after me? Good. Good. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't mean that in a, like a glib way. But like being smug is not, is, we're, we're, that's not, we need to be real about it. We need to be humble. We need to be real. But, but, but we have to be honest. We either want to take the world for Jesus or we don't. We either want to go destroy the works of the enemy or we want to play church. And if we want to play church, there is a reward in heaven for that. I'm not criticizing. I, listen, I understand that that's what some people are comfortable with and that's all they want. And listen, there's a reward for that. I'm, there's people in our own church that are like, Church of Philadelphia doesn't sound bad. You know, crown of life, you know, eternal, it's, it's good. Pillar in the temple of God. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's some people in this room, I suspect, that want a little bit more. I mean, I, I know that I do. And, and so I, I, uh, I, I don't want to, to encourage uh, uh, skepticism, or, I'm sorry, speculation. I don't want to encourage um, 
uh, uh, overly demonized, like everything's a devil. I, I, don't, like, I don't want to uh, encourage people to, to go that too far in the other direction either. But, but we have to be real about this. There, there, there's, in every church, in probably every family represented here, in, in ev- certainly on every single campus where you go to school, certainly, that is a certainty that on every single campus where you go to school, in every city where you live, certainly there are powers and principalities, certainly there are territorial powers, certainly if we do not confront them, we will never see revival. If you go out and you preach to 500 people on the street, hand out pamphlets, hand out food, and nobody wants to get saved, friends, it's not because everybody's dense. You gotta see it for what it is. It's not just because like, you know, people don't want Jesus. You really gotta see it for what it is. That's not what's going on. It's not people. And if we expend all of our effort trying to make slightly better pamphlets or something like that, like you're never gonna, you gotta hit the root issue. The, the issue is that there is a power at stake and that power needs to be confronted and challenged if we want the kingdom to expand. So I, I just wanna encourage you, like wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever your church is doing, do not ignore the fact that there is a real battle and it's not just about lifting Jesus higher and higher and higher. We wanna do that, of course we do, but that's not the only thing he has called us to do. He's also called us to dismantle, disarm, destroy the things that the other side is doing. And, um, and there's, there's a real joy in that that I think I would hope that everybody wants a taste of. Can't force it. Jesus can only open the door. He can't make you, I mean, he's not willing to make you walk through it. So. You can't force it, but it's there. It's you know, it's there if you're interested in it. I want to say just one last thing before we invite Angela up here. There, I think sometimes the reason that we don't do this is because we have uh, uh, mis, uh, improperly formed conceptions about the way this works. Um, imagine that you were trying to teach someone, like a child, to boil water or something like that, and you say, you know, take the pot of water, put it on a fire, and it'll boil. Well, it doesn't boil immediately. Does that make any sense? It takes time. There's a process. There's a way that it works. And sometimes we get discouraged because we think that, you know, everything happens immediately. And so, you know, somebody is sick and you pray for them and, you know, five seconds after you touch them, they haven't gotten well and that means God doesn't want to heal them. It's, that does, it doesn't work that way. I don't know if you heard the story Brother David told tonight about the guy that, you know, resurrected on the plane. He prayed for that man for 40 minutes. And a very great deception that lies over the charismatic church, not like, you know, forget everybody else, charismatics, charismatic, spirit-filled believers is that we think that if God wants to do something, that he will do it immediately. That if, that if somebody has a demon, the first time you say, come out, he's like, oh, okay, I'll leave. That's just not the way it works. It, it takes time. Sometimes, you know, it, it takes time. Just like, I don't know if you ever had like a mosquito like buzzing around your ear and you swat them and you don't get them the first time. I don't know if that's just me or if it's, uh, you know, or if it's, uh, when I was growing up I, in, in China, when I visit, went to visit China, my relatives told me that the, the mosquitoes in China are smarter than the mosquitoes in America. The mosquitoes in America, people don't bother swatting them. And so they're fat and, uh, and they don't fly very fast. And so when you swat them, you usually get them the first time. But in China, the mosquitoes are smart because it's hard for them to get food. And so you have to swat them many, many, many times to get them. And then I experienced this, you know, living in my relatives' house, they didn't have, anyways. And so the mosquito comes, especially late at night, and you're like, you know, and then this way. And then soon, you know, you've made yourself all bruised, but you haven't gotten the mosquito yet. And sometimes that's how, what it looks like when you're trying to cast out demons or heal the sick or something else. Please never assume that, you know, you, you say, be healed in Jesus' name, they're not healed. That means God doesn't want to heal them, or that means I don't have any power. No, you have all power and all authority. 
sometimes, especially when you're, when you're young and getting to it, you just, it just takes a while to, to learn how to exercise that power and authority, you know? When I was a teenager, one of my friends was foolish enough to try to teach me to play golf. I don't know if you've ever tried to play golf. It's much harder than it looks. You got a long stick and you got to hit that ball down there. And, and I whacked the grass. I don't, I mean, I destroyed that, that golf course, you know, and, and didn't, didn't whack the ball. Um, but you see Tiger Woods doing it. It just looks like, nah, I mean, the guy never misses. Like, it's just, you know, but, but so just because you don't hit the golf ball the first time doesn't mean it's not the will of God for you to, for you to hit it. Does that make any sense? Like, take 20 swings and you miss. That doesn't mean that, like, that, that you're not supposed to be swinging. It doesn't mean that this thing doesn't work. Just stay with it until it happens. If the expert, you know, Dave, I don't know how many, I mean, 38, 40. I mean, he's raised a lot of people from the dead. If the expert takes 40 minutes to do it, what about a first-timer? Do you know? Just stay with it. I would recommend you never pray for anyone less than three hours without giving up. Maybe six hours, maybe 12. Brother David will tell you, like, when somebody in their ministry gets sick or attacked in such a way that they need a miracle from God, they set a 24-hour prayer vigil. There's somebody praying with that person 24 hours a day for at least three days before they even consider giving up or thinking that God's not going to heal them. That's how they get miracles. These signs and wonders shall follow those who believe. Like, it, 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 it doesn't necessarily happen immediately. Like, you have to stay with it. Demons, sicknesses, it's all the same. Like, it's a delusion to think that if it doesn't happen immediately, that God doesn't want it to happen. You've got to learn to stick with it. You've got to learn to stick with it. And that goes for, you know, things going on in your family, things going on in your church, things going on in your school, things going wherever you are. Stick with it. Do not give up. Believe what the word of God says. You have power and authority over every work of darkness, over every power of the enemy in the name of Jesus. There's not a devil you cannot stare down and defeat in Jesus' name. There's not a power over any city. There, there is no reason that, that, that the place where you live should not be 100% saved. There's no reason for that. The only reason that people do not want Jesus is because of a spirit of delusion. And so if you are anything less than 100% effective in your evangelism, there's some warfare to do. And it's not against people. It's for people. It's because we love and care about the places where we live and work and because we want the kingdom of God to expand that we're... You know, it's, it's not to pick a fight. It's not for fun. It's not, it's not a sport. It's not tourism. It's not, it's not any of those things. But it's because Jesus is worthy and, and we refuse to believe that we can't do this. And so here we are. All right, Angela, you come up. This is our friend Angela. There are some people that, uh, oh, you can give, yeah, give her the mic. Um, there are some people that, no, no, you, you, you yeah, there, there, I don't know if you've seen Angela before. This is, um, there, you know there are some people that like prayer talk or prayer swim or prayer jog. Angela prayer talks. <laughs> so she's a, she's a wonderful intercessor and friend. Yeah, yeah, you give her that one. You would hear me in the back anyway. Being Italian from New Jersey. You're going to bow this day, says the Lord. Father, we release the four winds of heaven to begin to blow, blow, blow on the ambers of the hearts of your sons and daughters. I hear the Lord saying, telling them, flame on, flame on, flame on. Yes, it's a superhero and it's good. So this is myself. I'm all about superheroes because you know what? We are the Justice League. And if we do not stand up against the injustice now, who will? 
Why not you? Why not me? I never asked God for these jobs, but he gave them to me anyway. I've been in ministry 44 years. I have traveled the world, and I really have seen just about everything you can imagine. And he is so good. But let's open up on prayer, shall we? Amen. If you ain't ready, we're in trouble. Come on. Come on. The Lord told me to bring my coat of many colors because most of you are still in the pit. You've come out of Egypt. You're going into the promised land, but you're stuck in the middle, and you begin to start to worship other things. I have to be myself, so you got to give me a second here. You run it, Joshua 1, every step. Have I not commanded you seven times? It's completion. To be strong and have a good courage. I've come to knock down the walls where the enemy has helped to keep you bound and to allow it to become a freedom like a stepping stone. The Lord says every step the enemy has to bow. He has to bow. He has to bow. And the Lord says, you better get ready for what's happening because if you think this is what we're seeing right now, you ain't seen nothing yet in the darkness. I can tell you that by the Spirit of God. I always throw G.I. Joes and G.I. Janes now because they finally heard my cry after bugging them to death. But I have tons and tons. I won't throw them because somebody will get their eye poked out or something and I'll get sued or something and whatever. But I did bring a whole bunch. I know. I just feel by the Spirit of God, he goes, here's my sharpshooter right here. I feel better already. David runs around with a hanky, and I run around with this. And they're all over the world. I don't do prayer claws. I, I, it's just not me. I'm a warrior for God. And uh, the Lord is releasing a sound. There is a frequency of heaven that is being released. And in the season that we are in right now, we have got to wake up. I say that in love today, but I never want to offend anybody. But if you're offended, we'll just... Just do five Hail Marys and call it a day. I don't know what to tell you. God says, you've got to get ready for what's coming. When he called me into ministry, I've always been a seer and a warrior. I come from an Italian side and Native American Blackfoot. And so I was born in a war. I was born illegitimate. And my whole life, I thought I had no value. Even in the church, they're like, something's wrong with her. You know, because... You know, I'm dealing drugs at nine, and I got a needle in my arm, and I'm a prostitute and a stripper, and I'd have murdered somebody in a heartbeat, but God had a plan for my life, and he has a plan for yours, and you have to get to that place where you say, God, I, I want something different. I'm tired of status quo. I'm tired of keeping looking back, because you're never going to get anywhere. Don't look back. You're not going that way. It's, real, it's not complicated, and be yourself because everybody else is already taken. Why don't you be who you are? You have to embrace. My whole life, I have been weird. Nobody understands me. I get it. You either hate me or love me. There is no in-between, and I'm okay with that, too. Why? Because my haters are my motivators. You can hate me all you want. The church don't like me. That's okay, too. You know why? Because most of them have demon-possessed pulpits and people in their altars, like uh, Daniel was talking about today. About three weeks before I came here, I called my people in Pakistan. I'll be there in 11 days. It'd be my 10th trip. I was supposed to be there last year. I was all set to go at the airport, and <laughs> they said, I'm sorry, ma'am, your visa did not get approved. I go, yes, it did. They go, no, it didn't. They go, well, you were terrorist. I go, only to the devil. I want to go. I'm not playing this. So I did everything to raise money. We had a huge crusade, 
And um, something happened, and they came and arrested everybody. So God had a plan for me not to be there. So I was so upset that I said, well, I'll just build another orphanage because we have so many thousands of churches there. So th we put in South Punja a, a school of 500 children. Most of them are Muslim and Hindu and everything else, very few Christian, but they will become that. Because you know why? That's what the word of God does. It transforms your mind. And God says, stand strong on me in the power of my might. It ain't your armor. It's his armor. His armor is light. It moves. And he breathes. I have been doing deliverances. I'm in Furious Love and a few other movies um, about raising the dead because it's just not complicated. Um, we make it too complicated. Too big, too small. Too big, too small. Too big, too small. We try to think. I know, right? We try to think it constantly. But what do I do? How am I going to do? What am I going to do? And God says, how about if you just get up and go? I think about Peter. He got up out of the boat and he started to walk on the water and the Lord said, you will not fail. In our minds, we start to see pictures of failure. And the Lord says, you're not going to fail. You've got this, but you have to start stirring the fire within you. That's what he says. Have faith, you know, stir the fires within you. And what Daniel was talking about earlier, we have to have discerning of spirit. Out of Hebrews 4, it talks about cutting through the bone and the marrow. The Lord says, we got to start cutting through this stuff. We have to get ready for what's happening right now. Because if you don't think the devil's alive and well, you need a real wake-up call. And I say that in love. You can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. So I work uh, since 2004. And like I said, we have thousands and thousands of churches. I have no idea. People go, how do you do it? I'm like, I don't know. They go, how'd you do it? I go, uh-huh. I said, I pray, I fast, I'm in the word. I'm up at 10 o'clock every night. I would like to be able to sleep at 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm just going to throw that in for free. That would be amazing. I'm like, what does that look like a vacation? I can't go anywhere because all I do is give people words, prophesy, and pray for them. Even on vacation, my husband goes, do you have to? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. He goes, can you turn it up for a day? I'm like, no, you can't turn off the Holy Ghost unless you turn him off. But if you turn him on and go, let's move on it, he does. We went on a cruise one time, and God, I hate ships with a passion. Too many demons, too many gateways and waterways. When you've seen your whole life, you can't push it away. It's real. You're like, they go, it's not real. It's not real. So I'm going to shift for a little bit, because I do that quite a bit. <laughs> I, just am, I just am myself. Uh, you know, many years ago, I saw David Hogan on television. I was young. I'm going to be 65 in a few months. And um, I was younger then, I'm just saying. A lot younger. And I saw this freak, man. He kept, poof. And I was like, Larry goes, you got to see this guy. He is so weird. You, there's nothing wrong with you. I keep telling you, you're okay. And I looked at, I thought, okay, I am okay. I have seen more people healed, delivered, and set free. I have seen God move in such extravagant ways that I would have gotten in the way if I did it my way. But he said, how about if we do it my way today? And I'm like, yes, God. I want to open up with scripture because I have, a, I have many scriptures that I love, of course. Hold on one second here. I usually put it up on the screen, but today is a very different day. It's called We Got a Shift Into Gear Day. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. And thank you, God. So it's out of Isaiah 66. Six. You can't make this stuff up. Come on. You just can't. Come on. And it's what the word says. There is a sound of an uproar that is coming from the city as we're here. I'm in Poughkeepsie. 
Yeah. As we're here, the Lord says, there is a sound in heaven. There's a roar. You're the roaring lion of Judah, God, that breaks every chain. And you better start stirring yourself up. Start believing. I started out, and I have to look in the mirror because the Holy Spirit kept telling me stuff. And I'm like, who's talking to me? Does everybody have that happen? I was like, no. God's talking to you. I go across the street, and I go and grab 60 kids. And my husband said, what are you doing? I said, I have no idea. But God told me to do it, so I did. And we saw a city transformed over and over and over. And the Lord said, nothing is impossible if you believe. And then I was in a wheelchair three and a half years crippled, not realizing how the enemy was trying to kill me and cripple me. But do you ever feel like you're crippled sometimes in the spirit? Like you just, you want to go forward, but you can't. And then all of a sudden fear steps in. And fear is a false evidence that appears real. It's like the side view mirror. It appears closer than it really is. And it's bigger than it really is. God said, but I'm looking for those who walk by faith. It's spelled R-I-S-K. And it's called about going out there and walking on the water. Because we can do it. Conferences are amazing. I love these. Um, this is my favorite thing to do, just come to a conference. And I love to just sit in the worship. I get so ripped, I have to keep getting out of here because I just keep starting to fall out and stuff. And I'm like, you have to pay attention because, you know, it's quite dark here in New Jersey. <laughs> and then some. And, um, and so I just kept praying and praying, Lord, if you could use anybody, use me. That's all I ever said. I said, I know I'm nobody in the kingdom, God. I'm nothing but dirt and trash. They told me my whole life growing up, well, you're stupid. And, you know, I couldn't even read when I, I had to go back to school to graduate because I had to learn how to read first. I know seven times five is 35, and after that, we count on fingers. I found out in November of last year, there's this thing. It's called YouTube. I've been on it since 2005. I didn't even know. My husband goes, you've been on it forever. That's where all your TV stuff's at. I'm like, oh, it is? I go, Larry, oh, my God, I found this thing. It's called YouTube. Where's it been? He goes, babe, it's been out there for years. I'm like, I, my brain isn't down here. It's up there because I stay up in heaven as it is on earth as it is in heaven. God says, whatever you bind on earth, it's got to go. Some of you are going to have to fight through it. It's just how it is. When we lived in Massachusetts, it was brutal. I mean, the warfare, I had bruises and scratches. I was being thrown up flights of steps. I'm like, well, put me back down because I didn't start here. And the poltergeist stuff all moving. I went to my pastor. He said, I don't know, Angela, but if you find out, could you tell me? Then I went to the Catholic church because I saw them freaky gargoyle demons flying all over the place. And I said, do you think you could help me? Because I don't know what to do. I need somebody to please talk to me and help me. I said, I've been in the word. I've prayed. I've cried out to God. And then the Catholic church says, Angela, we don't know what to tell you, but when you find out, would you come back and let me know? And I thought, Lord, I got the Presbyterian, I got the Catholic. I don't understand what's happening. And I went home that night, and I just started to weep before the Lord. I said, God, I'm so desperate right now for you that I don't know what to do. And I'm holding on to you with every breath that I have, but I think I'm going out of my mind. And the Lord grabbed me by the hand, pulled me through a cloud, and I wrote my first book. And he showed me only through the word, spirits, how they operate, how they play. You know, Satan can't do anything to you unless you invite him in. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Well, he can't open that door. You have to open it. Same thing with the demons. You're going to have to open up that door. Some of you are starting to fall asleep right now because that spirit wants you to go to sleep. 
and to tune this out. And that's okay. Because you know what God says, my word, Isaiah 55, it will not return void. It will still accomplish. See, it's not about everybody in here today, even though it is. It's about all the people out there that are watching this. And I tell you right now, it'll just go around the world and around the world and around the world. Because that's a job. So I deal with Pakistan. And then I also work with the LGB. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I, I'm so confused. I don't know whether I'm coming or going. You want to talk about an identity crisis? Jesus, help me. So I've already done uh, 11 years in San Francisco. It's the most filthiest, darkest. I always say, God, I don't even think Sodom and Gomorrah had anything on this. And it's getting worse. And I was there last year, and I, I talked to everybody because that's just what I do. I figured that's the Italian in me. And um, I started asking people a lot of questions. And I said, how do you think the President Biden's doing? They go, isn't he wonderful? He's fighting for us. And I am inside just cringing and saying, oh, Lord, please don't let me put you through a foolish test. And then I would start to talk with them. And I said, you know, I have a word for you. Can I give it to you? That's how I always say things. I never throw or whatever. You know what I mean? And I started prophesying over these people, and they just start weeping. They go, there's some psychic chick over here. I'm like, no, no, no. I said, I just hear the voice of God. They go, how do you get that? How do you do that? And then I'm able to start to tell them about the Lord. In San Francisco three years ago, right before COVID, they put, if you, in San Francisco, you mention the name of Jesus with the LGB, you will get a $1,000 fine. Boom, the second time you get arrested. Uh-huh, and that's in San Francisco. So I do that every year. I, I train up people in spiritual warfare because we are in a war like never before. God says, but the gates of hell will not prevail if you will stand, having done all to stand. Look, the enemy's going to hit you. He's going to hit your family. It is what it is. But if you do not fight back, he'll just step all over you, and then you'll think he's gone when secretly and underminingly he's just figuring out something else to do. Every time I go somewhere or do something, the enemy always goes after the weakest link in the family because he knows if he can pull it, he'll destroy the chain. And that's why we fight so hard. Look, my son, a couple of years ago, they, it was so bad. He was going to kill. I have, I'm a weapon person, so I have weapons everywhere in my house. And he went to go kill my husband with my sword. And I stood between. I said, the only person who's going to die with that sword will be me. Get me, demon. And he backed off and dropped the sword and started to cry. He goes, Mom, something's real wrong. And we took him in, and he tried to explain to them. He saw the red door at the church breathing, and the demons were coming out. And the lady goes, you have a real mental problem. And my Larry, my husband sends greetings, by the way. He's watching. Love you, babe. So he grabs the back of the loop of my jeans and pulls me I'm like, you don't want none of this today, sister, because I'm real territorial when it comes to my kids, amen, and my husband. And she said, well, you know, he's got this, this, and this, and he's bipolar, and he's this, and he needs medication. I said, no, he doesn't. I said, he needs healing and deliverance. And so the lady tried to explain to me how she can use her crystals and fa-la-la-la-la. And I go, you touch my son, it's on, like Donkey Kong, or something like that stupid, you know, I would say that. I'm like, you don't want to mess with him. And I would not let them give him medicine. 
I'm like, no. And I said, and it's going to be over my dead body. And I, I've come back twice from the dead. Once when I had an operation, they, they killed me because the demon killed me from the doctor. He was very occult in where? Massachusetts. So I said, Lord, I have fought my whole life against drugs, alcohol, the darkness, my whole life. And excuse me, but I'm like, there is no way in hell, literally, that I'm going to let that devil take my son away from me. And it won't happen. And he will try to do, because a familiar spirit will do a hit and run, like you're in a parking lot and like just say like a little thing hits you, you know, like a cart. It hits you, but then it takes off. So many times people think that they're attacked and they're like, oh my God, I'm being attacked, I'm being attacked. I'm like, no, it's all in your mind, it's all in your mind. You've already been set free. You have to understand the power of the blood. See, that's the greatest thing that we have going. Let me tell you, nothing could resurrect it. I have been stuck in Elijah. I love the book of Kings. And I said, Lord, when I think about Elijah, I think about a few things. How he was like, I'll draw that bloodline in the sand. I double dog dare you. Pour some more water over here. And your prophet, you keep cutting your scalp. Scream a little louder, Elijah yells at him. And you know what ends up happening? They just kept pouring the water, pouring the water. And then the fire hit from heaven, and God lapped it right up. God will do extraordinary things if we would open up our hearts to him. So now in October, I hate Satan with a passion. You know why? Because God is God and Satan is not. The devil is not God. People make him out like God, but he ain't. That's why he thinks he's all that and then some. And... um. I'm going to the Witch's Ball in Boston because they have a two to $4,000 you can win if you have the best tax. So I went there a couple years ago and said, let's play. I do that in psychic places. I don't care where I'm at. If I got something to say, as you can tell, I just say it. I don't know why. I wish I could shut up, but, you know, somebody's got to say something. I'm like, why can't you say it, you know, or you or you, or you or you, you know, but the Lord says, no, sometimes people are still trying to find their voice, and I kept hearing the Lord saying, but you are that voice preparing the way of the Lord. You are that voice. So I will go to Boston. I will be there at the witch's ball, and I'm going to have a blast, and I guarantee you by the Spirit of God, ain't nobody winning that $4,000 prize. I was like, you have got to be kidding. And they're like, nope. So they know who I am. People at Folsom Fair, they know who I am. They have them call me their pastor. They said, I'm the only person that has never cursed them, crucified them, told them they're going to go to hell. My first year that I went there, there were Christians across the street holding signs. And it said, you know, you're going to burn. You're going to hell. And I was like, Lord, now why do I got to deal with this junk? I ain't even got to step in this place yet. So I prayed to release the anointing oil. Got one of my, cut my G.I. Joes out because I put them everywhere. And I marked my territory. Devil's going to mark his. Why can't we mark ours? Come on. That or arrows, they're everywhere. And so what ends up happening I get across this, I start to walk in, and, and all the LGB are coming to the street. And I'm yelling. They go, you're going to hell. And I go, you first, Matthew 7, 1, judge not, least you judge yourself. What is wrong with you people? You're never going to be a voice to a generation. So we started renting booths under a different name. The first year, we had 23 people get saved. Darren Wilson's wife came, they filmed, uh, then we ended up with 72. 
So I had 23, the Lord is my shepherd. That was my scroll. I bring a scroll every day. I pull out a scroll and we read the scrolls. And then it was, it was 72 the second year. And you know the number 72 means a sign. And the Lord says, see, I told you, I am your shepherd, but I'm their shepherd too. And I want to bring clarification from something that happened last, the last time we were all together. Heidi Baker, I love her, my girl. Da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da. Or yabba-dabba-doo. <laughs> and um, my very first year, because everything was so nuts, I'm like, Lord, I'm just going to get crazy because that's crazy is good because you just stay in your shunk, you know, to pray. And so they had a mosh pit. And so you have to understand, people aren't dressed, most of them. So I got in line and got up on the mosh pit, and they carried me across the way. And I remember doing an interview with Patricia King. She goes, what would compel you to do that? And I go, well, what wouldn't compel you? I said, I see everybody robed in white robes of righteousness. That's how the Father sees us all. And he said, their names are to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Look, I'm like most of you in here. I'm just a donkey Jesus rides in on. I am nobody in the kingdom. I'm tied up, waiting to be ridden in. Do you think I like doing a lot of this stuff? No. <laughs> yes. Because I see the power of God in action. You know, we've had three um, women that were to be the fifth bride of Satan. You can't go no higher. Stuff is not complicated. I'm like, Satan's a liar and God's truth. Want to play? I have no time for foolishness. I'm like, Lord, you have called us to have dominion. He said, you are to go, like in Genesis 3, go take dominion and subdue. Bring it back into subjection. But one of my favorite scriptures in beginning of Genesis is that God couldn't find Adam and Eve. And he said, who told you that you are naked? Who told you that you don't have the fire and the wind of the Holy Spirit? Who told you you don't have great destiny? Who told you you're not going to be a singer one day, Sister Bear? Who told you that you're not good enough? I had to start looking in a mirror and talking to myself because I just kept saying, God, I'm not good enough even for the church. They keep making me stand in the back with a vitamin jar because back then you weren't allowed to have drums or tambourines, just the organ. And I was in the back dancing because I was so happy I was saved. And they were like, we're going to have sharing time, but not you, Angela. <laughs> not you. Because I was, you know what, when you've been in great darkness your whole life, and then the light comes and it just goes, you know what I mean? And it touches you. And all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, wait a minute. You mean you love me? My pastor tried to explain to me. My, parent, my grandfather, Mafia, so we ran with the Gambinos and Gaudis uh, in Jersey, New York, New Jersey, New York, New Jersey, New York, New Jersey. And so I'm quite cutthroat in the spirit if you can't tell. I was the only child that was illegitimate, sitting with 50 uncles. Who knew? I thought they were all my uncles. They weren't my uncles at all. <laughs> they were part of the family for discussion. I learned a lot. I just kept thinking, if we got an Italian years ago in, in government office, uh, everything would be maybe a little bit different. Just thinking. You all better be praying for 2024. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, the last couple of weeks we've been in such prayer, crying out. And I have a friend, she's crying out right now so horribly, and she can't stop crying. I think she's about 200 years old. <laughs> her name's America. She is weeping for her children, Jeremiah says. But I'm like, God, it's not because they are no more. We have got to be a voice. 
in 2015, I did TV with Patricia, and uh, it said from the White House to the church house, God said, a mighty shaking was going to happen, and the dead fruit will fall. And the Lord says, I'm going to bring such exposure into the government and into the church. If we do not stand up now as a nation and fight back, who will do it? We can't expect our kids to because they're all being, I'm a robot, I go to public school, I can be this, I can be a transgender, I can be that. I'm like, no, you need to start calling that stuff out for what it is. It's demonic. It's not of God. My son and daughter ever had said that to me. I slapped them so hard up beside their head. I would have knocked that demon right out of them. <laughs> no, you're not. I'm dealing with families right now that are 7 and 13-year-old little girls wanting to transition. They don't want a chest. They don't, they don't want to have children. They want to be a boy. I said, who told you you're a guy? They go, well, I go, yeah, it was that TV set oozing out of your television set telling you. Because, you know, it's like, Lord, if we do not affirm to our children who they are, who will? I would take you back to this, uh, Portland, Oregon a couple of years ago. How to go? Of course, I was very happy. I can't get never anybody to go. Pakistan, we get shots like, who cares? I've been shot and stabbed twice before I got saved. One's hot, one's cold. Move on. And then um, recently, I just had neck surgery, and I stopped breathing 10 times. And my one angel I had with a friend of mine, Rob, he was in Russia, and I had my one angel, Bubba, because I really believe in Psalm 103.20. Release the angels. Let them do the bidding. We got to start believing God, not for these little grasshopper to a knee, uh, little, little cherub thing. These suckers are, sorry, Lord, the angels are, these suckers are so big that their knees wouldn't even touch his ceiling if we only knew the power of Psalm 103.20. God says, release the angels to do my bidding. Not your bidding, his bidding. And so even, and this just happened, I just had recent surgery for my neck. And they, I could feel myself being pulled in a white tunnel. And I just remember, I looked at my angel brother. I looked over and said, where's Frank? And within a second, Frank was right there. And they said, I sat up. The doctor said, now breathe. And I just remember gasping for breath. And I breathe. Because the devil hates me so much. Sometimes I think he hates me more when I come to people like you. Y'all flipping weird and stuff. You think I'm something. I'm like, I look at y'all and go, it's a sad day. You are so anointed of the Lord. Give me a second. I want to grab this. Okay. So I always have what I call the weirdy cat stuff happen, you know. I just do. Thank you, Lord. So I'm trying to keep the gold in my head because I've been having gold fall for, I don't know, 25, 30 years and gems and feathers because I'm pretty much by myself on an island. Me, myself, and Jesus, and the warriors. But this was at the foot when I came back. Nobody's been in our seats. And it is just one little stalk, and it has one grain of wheat. And I said, Lord, are you trying to talk to me? He says, tell the people I'm talking to you today. Can you imagine what one seed can produce? I tell you right now, one seed can produce an entire forest of life and beauty. But all it takes is one match to burn it down. I've seen stuff in Pakistan I never thought I would see in a billion years happen. I've seen things with the occult I never thought would see happen. I go back to my story. Whew. Okay. So I go to the witch's ball and I'm like, oh God. 
I would have rather had taken a bag of food like we did before. Now they want like thousands of dollars, I guess, to have the grand prize pooba who ain't going to win. Just going to throw that out in the air. I have to go by myself pretty much everywhere because I have no time for crybabies or stupid. Just trying to be nice here. I can't handle the crying because it sets a weird atmosphere when you're trying to preach, right? Or you know what I'm saying? So I go in there. And I'm like, okay, God, here we are. It's okay, stand up here for a second. Okay. So I go in. I'm like, oh, let's play. I'm excited. And I watch a lady have a circle of children. They're called indico or mediums. Now they're raising up. She had all these children. A little boy had a stone in his hand. I tell the story for one reason. It's critical that we catch this. So this little, she goes, Johnny, what's in your hand? And I look over at Bubba, he goes, it's a stone. She goes, what kind? And the story goes on and on. I never knew that turquoise had gold in it. And it's called a Kingsman turquoise, a stone. And when I, that little boy said, it's turquoise and it has gold running through it. It's Kingsman's turquoise. And I'm thinking in my head, I've never heard of that in my life. But I heard the angel tell me first and then the little boy said it as I watched the demon turn its head and stare at me. I was like, all right, God, it's time to break out that whooping can. Let's go. Just tell me where to go and what to say. And I walk in love and hug everybody. And hey, how are you today, baby? As you're hugging the demons right my ear, you know. Anyway, and um, the Lord says, you can go now. I go, where? He goes home. I'm like, why did I come? He said, I want you to tell the church that the enemy is raising up an army. And we're, we're doing little pizza parties. And I love pizza, by the way. Um, or the Halloween that Daniel talked about. You know, a lot of people don't realize this. They think Halloween's the number one season. It's not. Um, during this season of resurrection, did you feel like a real war, anybody in the spirit? You know why? Because the black masses were going on. The enemy's up to something, and it's bigger than we know. But can I tell you what? God is way bigger than anything he can throw at him. But we have to start taking dominion and authority. You know, power is dunamis, but authority is like, I'm here, let's play. Let's get this taken care of. The Lord says, you have an authority. Jesus I know in Book of Acts, and Paul I know. But who are you? I've had more people trying to do deliverances when I'm with them. And the demons start to speak, but who are you? I go, you know who I am. Want to play? And then things start to shift. I had some chick break my nose with Heidi Baker because she said, Angela, Angela. Yes, Heidi. Can you please come up here and take care of her? She this little 16-year-old chick in Africa broke my nose. That wasn't very nice. Of course, I fired the guys that were there. I'm like, you have no idea what you're doing. Get away from me. Let me handle this. And then the chick got delivered and said, hey, your nose is bleeding and it's all crooked. And I'm like, yeah, it happens. Don't worry about it. So the guys that were with me said, how did you do that? I said, oh, I just released my angels. She couldn't get up. I'm like, she's punching me in the face again. The other side of my flesh was like, don't do it. I'm like, I won't. That's what the angels are for. See, we could do extraordinary things if we would start to believe God. See, David's told you stories. I'm talking to you right now. Daniel spoke to you, the worship. But what do you do when you leave here? How do you become a carrier of the glory? Because you know what the enemy's going to do. You'll go home and it's, excuse the pun, but all hell breaks loose. This happens, that happens, this happens. And I always say, you know, whatever. 
That's always my attitude. I don't look at the world stuff. I look at it and then pray. That's all I do is pray. I see it. I know it's real. But the Lord said, if my people who are called by my name, if you would just humble yourself and pray and do the work that God has called and ordained for you to do, you can't imagine the things that you can do. We have to start getting ferocious. We are warriors for the great I am. We are children of the light. Listen, in the absence of order, chaos will erupt. In the absence of light, darkness will prevail. And the Lord said, as long as there is one light on the earth that professes my name and decrees my word, the light will never go out. And I was like, God, we got to start flaming people on to start getting ready. I don't care if it's homeless. I don't care. I've worked homeless for years. I, we had so many deliverances with homeless that they started putting a camera across the street from the cops. And he goes, what's going on here? The guy's twisting and foaming at the mouth. They go, oh, it's a dumb and deaf spirit. I'm sure you understand what that is. Um, he was like, what's happening? And I'm like, I'll give you the verse later. <laughs> Jesus. But you know what? When God took my hand all those years ago, he pulled me in the cloud and I said, Lord, you either got to talk to me or I'm going to end up in a mental hospital. And Lord started talking to me scripture after scripture after scripture. And I started journaling for days and days and weeks. And I went back to my pastors and I told them this is what the pastor and the priest, what had happened. And they were like, it is biblical. I go, I know. I said, but my problem is, you know, in Daniel, it talks about four principalities. People have 50 billion principalities. No such thing. Persia, Greece, Babylon, and Rome. There are only four in the word of God. And the Lord said, you just have to know who they are back then to watch their manifestation now. You see what's happening overseas. It's crazy out there. And it's crazy in America. I tell you what, America is weeping. She's weeping, and parents are weeping. They're scared. Christians are compromising. Well, you know, I love my son. I got more friends mad at me. They don't want to talk to me because they said, well, my son's a worshiper, and they love, they love God, but they're homosexual and want to marry a man. I said, ain't a God. When they called me to do false and fair before I went, I went right to the straight to a booth, and it said, Christian and gay is okay. So I looked at the pastor, and I go, what Bible do you read? I slammed my Bible down. My Bible's holy. It's a holy Bible. Boom. I said, what are you reading out of? It must be some whitewashed, watered-down ESP or AKJ or whatever all those names are. I love the King James, and I love Amplified. I'm just saying. But I was like, I have no idea what that means. She goes, well, they're not having sex before they get married. I go, what is, what is wrong with your brain? What do you mean? She goes, well, they're not having sex. I go, she's a lesbian. She's going to marry a woman. What do you think? Two, one and one equals lesbian, sin, darkness, Genesis, Romans. I'm like, God, the word, you can't compromise it. Abortion is murder. I want to tell people, let's repeat that 10 times. Abortion is murder. Abortion is murder. Taking a pill is murder. Taking a pill is murder. People don't know that we have just so flimsy, just, whew, just push it away. It's okay. Well, everybody else is doing it. And we have the Mormon church. We have all these churches in America and around the world that have compromised. It's okay to be a rainbow. There's only one rainbow. He created it. Ask Noah. That's all I'm going to say. He created it. So why are we compromising God? Is it because we become little fat cats? 
sitting in a pew, wanting more of God. I'm telling you right now, if you don't give out some of that oil, just give it away. Or like we like to say, give me some of that. Give me some of that. If you don't want to give it away, you will have to squeeze yourself out. But God can't pour if you don't give it back. He just can't. I know this probably wasn't sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows, and unicorns. Some of you were hoping for today. But I'm good. How are you? It's okay. I'm, I'll ask you, but I don't, your answer is going to be whatever. I work for God. It's a hard job. Don't think it isn't because it really is. I'll go to Pakistan in 11 days and get shot at because that happened already. Every time we go there, they burn the flag. I hate that. I love America. Our nation has fought all these hundreds of years together. United we stand, divided we fall. Church, we have got to get united. We have got to become the body of Christ. We sing the hands. We are the body. But I'm like, well, why aren't our hands reaching? You know, I jump out of cars to get people saved. I just don't care. Except they take my car and take off on me. But anyway, that's happened a few times. Um, but I just don't care. Because I know in my heart, I said, Lord, somebody could have came to me maybe a little bit sooner. But you know what God said to me? I said, like when I was being raped at four and... You know, thrown around like a piece of filthy garbage. Where were you, God? He says, I was with you the whole time. I said, I know, because I saw the angels, but I saw the darkness too. Where were you? He said, I was there the whole time. And you know, when I first started out over 44 years ago in ministry, you know what I started out with? Two-year-old children, scared to death. I was going to make a mistake. <laughs> I was so afraid, because I didn't want to mess it up. But they were too. And I trained them in warfare. I go, they kept looking out the window. I go, what are you seeing? They go, I see a frog. I go, yeah, it's a demon. <laughs> I didn't know you couldn't say that in the Baptist church. <laughs> and then the last time I went there, they were having communion. And I said, excuse me, how can y'all have communion up here? When you're having an affair, you're stealing money out of uh, the overseas missions. You, you're doing this and you, you're doing that. And they said, get her out of here now. And can I tell you what? Half the church got up and they started crying and weeping and repented to each other because they were lying and thieving and dark. And I said, why did you make me do this? I couldn't sleep for days, eat. I just laid under my table just weeping for the church. I'm like, I don't understand. And the Lord said, that's not your job. My, your only job is to get up and go. It's not complicated. Geo, go. I said, where am I supposed to go? He said, wherever I send you. And can I tell you, when I got saved, it was so radical. I didn't even know. I didn't know who Jesus was. I wasn't raised with God. I just knew if you got put in purgatory, you raise a bunch of money, you give it to him. That's all I knew. So I, I don't know. I just knew if, if this is God's life the way I lived it, I don't think I want this God. Until Reverend Ernie told me about the love of Jesus. But then he started throwing the Godfather at me. He goes, you know how your grandfather runs, blah, 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 blah. I go, yeah. He goes, God runs them all. I'm like, oh, now I understand what you're trying to tell me about God. I go, because God's God and Satan's not, and he goes, exactly. And this was the first day I got saved. I didn't even know what I was saying. But I had to have an analogy. We need to start becoming before the throne of God and getting up and going. Because I've gone out too many times. Throughout the years, we've had thousands. We used to feed thousands of people on the streets. And around right before 2000, gold started falling from the ceiling. So most of my hair is from the glory. And um, you can't hide it because it's like whatever. And, um, but people were lined up for blocks to come into the church for worship.
and for the anointing. And I said, well, you know what? It's okay for a time, but then what are you going to do? I said, they go, can we work with you? I'm like, not for nine months. They go, why? I said, because it takes that long to birth something. I need to know that you're in it to win it, that you have the integrity to want to go. What is it that God's calling you to do? Ask yourself, God bless you. What is God calling you to do? Take a second, shut your eyes. What's he saying? What is he telling you? God said, it's time to release a war cry within the spirit realm and to start fighting back against the darkness. God says, it is time. We have to take off the limitations that other people have put on us and start to realize who we are in God. You are wonderfully and fearfully made. You are a son or a daughter of the great I am. Destiny awaits those who will step out of that boat and walk on the water. Because you will not fail, says the Lord. Yeah, you're going to have times where you hit this or you hit that and you hit a wall and something doesn't happen. But at the right time, God will say it. I prayed for people 99 times before a lady jumped out of the wheelchair and scared the bejeebies out of me. I work a lot with the Catholic Church and I don't care. <laughs> because we're teaching priests how to do exorcisms. Why not? Why not me? Why not now? I said, God, all of the church right now needs to come together. They need our prayers. Amen. Come on. We need to be praying for one another. This divide, the division within the church is unbearable to me personally. And I want to say this before, as we're closing. The Lord says, you tell them I'm looking for reformers. Listen, there is a frequency in heaven. God says, I'm looking for the Davids, the prophets, those that were hidden in a cave of intimacy. God says, there you're going to find me. You know what that is? The cave of intimacy. We have to pull away. The mind never wants to stop because it gets bombarded over 2,000 times an hour. The Lord says, you know what? There are moments in history when, when the door, the gateway swings open. Good or bad will swing through that gate. But the Lord says, I'm believing that entire generations will rise up and be the sons and daughters that I have called and ordained for them to be. If I can have that little teeny grain that could produce a forest, can you imagine what God can do with you? We have to stop overthinking. He said, you're going to have seasons and seasons that are linked to cycles. And these cycles have a purpose in your life. And at the right time, the Lord says, tell them, everything's going to come together. And nothing's going to happen to you that God does not know about. He's bigger than your circumstances. He's bigger than everything. My mother died of cancer, and I was in Texarkana doing a conference, and the witches wouldn't stop, so I used to travel with a sword till 9-11. Then you couldn't do that anymore, but a real sword. I went there and drew my, my sword in the sand in the, right in the middle of the street of a highway. And I said, I double dog dare you to come out if you want to play with this. And the woman came out, and everything's taped, and, you know, I, I don't say anything I can't back, just know that. So she comes out, and we had a whole room of witches and Ukrainian, uh, Unitarian. They were all vomiting everywhere. I'm like, it's okay, throw up wherever you want, honey. I'm not cleaning it up. I'm looking at my head thinking. And they were throwing up and throwing up, and in the process, my mom got hit, and they had to do emergency surgery, and she died on the operating table. And my stepfather called me screaming bloody murder. What are you doing now? He wasn't saved. What are you doing now? He kept yelling over and over. And I said, Daddy, shut up and put that phone out. 
And I can't tell you, I didn't have anything elegant to say, to be honest, or like, nothing like that. All I said was, if you think I'm going to take care of this family, you're out of your mind. You get back here right now, right now, right now. My mother sat up in bed and she said, you tell her when she gets home, she's mine. I didn't know what to do. I was like, okay. She pulled back of my hair real hard when I saw her. She goes, I was entering into the glory. And then you called me back. I said, again, I ain't taking care of this flipping family. I got 13 brothers and sisters and they're all crazy. <laughs> Heroin, prostitution, gangsters, wannabes, you know. And I thought, Lord, you know, I haven't seen my family in 15 years, but I'm with my family now. Come on. That's why I said, I've been shunned by my family because of God. And I'm never going to turn back. They tried. It's been over 44 years. I, I ain't feeling that's going to happen. Just saying, you know, never. I know I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. How many of you can say that? Every single one of you know you have tasted and seen what the Lord has done. He said, tell them, dreams like that of the coat of many colors jealousy comes in it's demonic spirit they always run in threes the lies the jealousy bondage comes in before you know it you're so bound you can't move then fear steps in sickness opens up the doors and before you know it you're going down a rabbit hole and the lord said tell them you are more than conquerors in me but i say this today as i close i, I really believe this I, I want to encourage some of you to start getting out your journals even from times gone past and remember what God has called and ordained you for. I didn't ask for warfare. I would never wish this job on anybody if a wish were real, which we know it's not. But I wouldn't want to, nobody to have this. The rejection, the hatred, the mail that comes in, the language from Christians. I'm like, you don't got soap in your mouth. That's not you, I'm just saying. I'm like, where's, where's God in this? There's no life, it's only death. You want to criticize me, go for it. I'm okay, I always write nice letters back. God bless you, praying for you too, have a great day. Love you, and I mean every word of it. I, I love too hard, I love so hard that it gets me in trouble because I just want everyone to taste and see that no matter what darkness you've come out of, it does not define who you are. The only person that does that is God and you. And when you confess with your mouth, that's why I do mirror time still. I haven't been to bed in over a week. I don't even know if I'm supposed to be here travel-wise, quote, or Pakistan. I'm going then after that, I go right to Sweden. I had no idea. I just know by July 17th, I got to go back. That's all I know and do what they say. I had a very difficult surgery, and you know what though? God got me through. Half my body's titanium. I am a real bionic woman. Just gonna say. I said, Lord, what's it all about? He said, your rotaries are shot. I go, probably from my swords and my, my hatchets, you know. Oh, my doctors think I'm nuts. I'm like, do we have to go under? Let's talk. I've only had two surgeries I didn't go under. Because I got to share Jesus. Where are they going to go? Uh, nowhere. It was pretty brutal. I won't lie. But I was like, Lord, nothing is impossible with you, God. Because you reach down out of nothing. And you breathe life into me. And you thought, if she would just catch that wind of my spirit, 
I'm going to take you higher and higher and higher. It's time for the eagles to start to fly. And the lions to roar. To break curses that are coming against them. Satan's real or God wouldn't have had Jesus take a quarter of his time in the word to dispel them. And to show them, I'm the boss, not you. Sickness is not the boss, God is. But if we start prophesying it or proclaiming it, I I should be dead many times now. But when it's all said and done, God will take me home at the time. And I can tell you right now, today ain't that day. Just want to say that. I know that in my heart. We have so much work ahead of us. I want to raise up an army. I want warriors. That's why I can't put on my, my high heels. God says, keep your war boots on. It's boots to the ground. You wake up, you pray, 10 o'clock tonight. I I left here last night, 9 o'clock, and I rolled over because I was praying up in heaven, and the Lord said, it's 10 o'clock. I'm like, yes, God, it's 10 o'clock. And I just got up and started praying for y'all, just praying and asking God to touch you. Look, the scales need to come off your eyes. I can can have one of Esther and Daniel's little, little kids come and pray for you. My God. And the scales could come off. Sometimes we think the only person that's going to heal us is like if we go to Benny Hinn, which I love Benny Hinn, or this person, or that person, or this person. And God says, what about that person? And what about that person? And that person, what about you? Why not you? Why not now? What is holding you back? Are you afraid to look like a fool? (laughs) I can't even watch myself on tape. I'm like, who's that freak? My husband goes, that's called the Holy Spirit all over you because you're just weird. As are you. Yes, you are. Most of you people in here are freaks. You just don't even see it. I see who you are. I see you real clear. There's no territorial uh, rivalry here. I told Esther when she called and asked if I'd come, I'm like, I'll do whatever you need. I will pray. I will war. I will train. I will teach. Whatever you say. Because I don't get caught up in that gamut. After all these years, you're like, somebody else, please take the front stage and I'll sit in the back and worship and I'd suck up on that anointing and just have not worship been amazing I've never been to conference except for here October a year and a half ago where they served food everything's free who does that like boba buy one get one half off we all run to the store and you know what's not on sale you just get me I was like I've never been in a place of excellence like Daniel and Esther and the alabaster team have ruled they're showing people what's possible. Amen. And then you have some of the greatest worship. I don't even know if you realize the worship that has come to usher you into his presence. But then God goes, what y'all going to do with it? Are you going to give it away? I hope so. That's my prayer. That's why I came. I'm really too busy to be here, but if Esther or Daniel calls, you know, it's like, I'm on a plane, I'll be there, no matter what. Again, I don't even know if I'm excused to fly yet, but say, well, well, we're here now, we're good. I won't lie, it's been a very difficult timeline because I see where we're at and I see where where the America's going. And I'm like, God, she's crying. America's crying, she's crying, she's crying. And I thought, Lord, it's just like what came with Abel. The ground is crying from the blood that has been spilled, the hatred and murder. The Lord said, you know what will turn that around? Love. 
for God so loved the world. If we trust him, you'll fumble at times. When I've had my craziest deliverances, I always pray, God, please do not let me put you through a foolish test. I get nervous sometimes when I got a three and four year old throwing me across the room and whole house is going on poltergeist and stuff. And uh, the Lord says, I always pray, don't let me go through a foolish test, God. So I know for all of you in here, you've already had a lot of prayer. You probably already all healed, delivered, and set free. Amen. But I believe that God says you got to go from your activation to acceleration. And I pray that I help accelerate you to be who you can be in the army of God. You heard that story years ago, the commercial, be all that you can be. Not in the army of America. Do that too if that's your calling. But be all that God's called and ordained for you to be. And not have a fear of who you are. You know, again, some battles you're going to choose, other battles will choose you. I say choose wisely, my friends. Choose wisely what battles you want to engage in. I'm like ready to jump in any battle. And Lord said, no, I'm not calling you into all the battles. You got to start releasing and raising up a war cry and start releasing the 300, the warriors. Why did God, Gideon, have all those thousands? And, and Joshua, they had all these people. And Gideon's hidden in a cave, and here's Joshua. And there was only a remnant that knew what to go in to do. Are you part of that remnant? You have the discerning of spirit, don't you? Yes. First Chronic, I mean, Corinthians, come on, 12. God says, I give you wisdom. Ask for the understanding to understand your calling. Some of you can't figure it out because it's a little overwhelming. Or you get pulled because you think, well, am I supposed to do that kind of worship or this or this or this? And Lord said, if you'll stop, drop, and pray and let it go, I'll bring it right to you what you need. I had to do that myself. I tried everything to make God happy. Do you know he was happy the whole time with me? Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? When I got my first ordination in college because I went to school because I have no idea. I was preaching like my pastor, and uh, I say it to you, uh, and then I almost blacked out because I can't preach that way because, you know, it's just like a different type of church. And my pastor said, Ange, be you. I've had two different churches I've been a part of, and they both asked me to leave. They said, you're just a little bit too radical. I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm not offended. You know, an offense opens up a door to deception. Be careful with your words because you can offend someone and shut them down like a spiral. Amen. Let's pray. Father, God, we just want to thank you for the day that you have given us another day to have breath, that we can praise you and worship you. But so many souls are waiting to have their names written in the Lamb's book of life. Chosen, chosen, chosen. And my prayer that I came here for was this, that the remnant of you would run and do the road that God's called you to do. I can tell you right now, I cannot live in Mexico. I have Mexico ministries, but I could never live there because God's called me to America. Amen. And whatever he calls you to, you put your hands to the plow and you go forward and you let him do what he needs to do. Father, I just want to thank you again for the day. I thank you, Lord, that the blood of Jesus has been poured out over the minds of your sons and daughters and those watching. I thank you, Lord. Just when they came out of Egypt, they put the blood with the hyssop, which means faith. And as they came out, Lord, they were covered and protected while all the darkness died.
And Exodus 14, 14 decrees that God goes before you and he will annihilate your enemies. That is Isaiah 66, 6. Hear the uproar from the city. It is a sound of the Lord. That's what the word says, repaying his enemies all they deserve. God will repay that darkness. That's not our job. Our job is to go release the light. And remember, Joshua won every step. Darkness has to roll from your feet. Be strong and of a good courage. And be not afraid. I believe while you guys have been here, by the time you get out of here tomorrow, for some of you, everything is going to ricochet in the spirit. And the scales are going to start falling off the eyes. And you're going to be able to start to understand who you are. Soul winners for the kingdom of God. Because when it's all said and done, that is going to be the glory. That will be the crowns. There's five of them released at our feet. And all the people that will be there in heaven with us. Can you imagine turning around and just seeing them how one seed had done all these things? I've seen it so many times. You say one and tens of thousands of people are transformed by the power and the anointing that God gives you to carry. He says, as long as you stay humble, I'll use you. And we just thank you again, Lord, for this day in your name, Jesus. Daniel, it's just so real. Let him come and fill your hearts today with his love. That's all there is. Thank you, Father. I don't want you to forget before the time is over to make sure you grab a G.I. Joe. I've had more people write me or tell me that they saw this little G.I. Joe on their windowsill when they had their hardest time. And they said, you remember that lady screamed at us, you're a warrior of God. And I remembered, I'm a warrior of the Lord. Ain't nothing going to happen that God won't get me through. I thank you, Lord. I feel like it's you right here. I think it's time for the big guns. It's the bazooka. It's a girl. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Daniel, here you go. Thank you for having me. I've been very blessed. And the families. So um, if you feel like there's demonic activity in your family and you would like prayer for deliverance, we're going to open up the altar and, uh, and just do that for a few minutes. Real stuff, not like, uh, you know, but re real stuff. Here we go. 
You know, God talks about the generational curses being broken. Sometimes we don't realize it's three to four people steep, so deep within our families. We don't even know that witchcraft is there, that people are doing all these different things. But yet we wonder why things aren't breaking. Poverty needs to get broken. Families need to be restored. And they need to come home to know who God is. Because that's what he's saying. Father, right now we just want to decree over the people here and those that are listening. Father, we sever every generational curse that is over our lives. You got to start opening up your heart and saying, no more, no more no more and we just want to release now healing we draw them into the souls the salvation Lord we pray for healing of the souls and the word I heard today over and over was forgiveness forgiveness when I was raped over and over my father my Lord said if you do not forgive your stepfather it's gonna be a real hard time and I said God I can't let it go he said well you're gonna to have to work on it And three days later, I got on my knees and cried and said, Lord, please forgive him. Within hours, we found out that he was murdered. And my prayer on my knees was, God, please, I pray he's in heaven with you. And I couldn't even believe I would say that. And the Lord said, see, you're letting my love cancel the hatred, cancel the unforgiveness, cancel the abuse, cancel it. I'm telling that right now for some of you, you got to cancel this stuff. Cancer can't stay in your body. It's an unclean spirit. It has no rule, no reign, no authority. So don't give it any. And start releasing the healing bomb with scripture. I hate the unclean spirit like you have no idea. The cancer, I hate it. My mom's gone. My brother, half my family's gone from cancer. But you know what? It was their choice. They opened a door and they didn't want to shut it. They were hooked on the cigarettes, hooked on this. I said, Lord, I'm just hooked on you. God is a good God. But let us start believing for our families. Let us start praying for our children that are going into the schools. I'm telling you by the Spirit of God, grab a G.I. Joe if your kid's in school or G.I. Jane. Drop it by the school and start to pray. Lay your hand on it and decree. Thus and no more, God, we are taking back the land because you are an army of God. Come on. Amen. Yeah, you guys can come up and pray for people. Thank you, Jesus. We're just going to just invite you to call out the names of anybody that comes to your mind uh, for deliverance in Jesus' name. We'll just pray together. Angela and the team here, they're going to go around and pray for you, but but also call it out. We all have power and authority in the name of Jesus. Jesus, we trust you. And we call upon your name now in the name of Jesus. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of our Lord. And Jesus, you are our Lord. You are our Lord. You are our Lord. And we believe, oh God, that there is victory in you today in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, we come against every work of darkness represented in this room in the name of Jesus. Every work of darkness and against every family, against every church, in the name of Jesus in this place. We come against you now in the name of Jesus and say that you have no place, no authority in the house of God or in the homes of his people in Jesus' name. 
And we come against, oh Lord, every suicidal spirit in the name of Jesus, every transgender spirit in the name of Jesus, every spirit of sexual confusion in Jesus' name, every spirit of fear in the name of Jesus, every spirit of depression in Jesus' name, every spirit of anxiety in the name of Jesus, nightmares and terrors in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, every spirit of delusion in the name of Jesus, every spirit of fantasies in Jesus' name, vain imaginations in the name of Jesus, every religious spirit and political spirit out in the name of Jesus out in the name of Jesus. Every demonic influence, every spirit of the occult and witchcraft, out in the name of Jesus. Out in Jesus' name. Witchcraft, out of every family in this place, in Jesus' name. Out of every family in this place, in the name of Jesus. Every spirit of infirmity and sickness, out in the name of Jesus out in Jesus' name. Every idol and false religion, out in the name of Jesus. Every family that is a war with Islam and Buddhism and every form of idol worship in the name of Jesus, we command you out of that family and off of God's people in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, every family with rebellious sons and daughters, in Jesus' name, we speak redemption and we speak homecoming to the prodigal that is lost in the world in the name of Jesus. Every demon of lust and sexual fantasies off of God's people in the name of Jesus. And every spirit of sexual morality of every form off of God's people now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Out now in the name of Jesus. Out now in the name of Jesus. Out now in the name of Jesus. Out now in Jesus' name. Out now in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, we ask, O oh God, that you would fill your people now with power and authority, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left, to trample on snakes and scorpions, to overcome all power of darkness. In the name of Jesus, we ask, Lord, for an increase of the anointing of this room. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, every foul spirit out of this room now in the name of Jesus. Every unclean spirit in the name of Jesus out now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Every hindering spirit that comes against the ministries, the anointings of God represented in this room, we come against you now in the name of Jesus. Every spirit that hinders the work of God on our campuses, on our cities, in our companies, in our families. In the name of Jesus, we come against you now in Jesus' name. We come against every curse, every enchantment, every strategy, every weapon that comes against the people of God. Off now in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, we take authority over these things. And we command you off in the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ is King and Lord, and there is no other. And by the power of His blood, we have victory over each and every single one of these things. We declare it in Jesus' name. We believe it in Jesus' name. And there is no lie, there is no delusion that we will believe. There is no opinion, there is no idol, there is no argument to be exalted against Him. Jesus Christ is Lord, and Jesus Christ is victor, and He is victor over every single soul in this place. 
and over our families, our relationships, our churches, and the place where God has set us in the name of Jesus. And we speak victory now and the expansion of the kingdom of God in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And Lord, I just pray that you would open every heart and every mind. And Lord, that you would use your people to push back the darkness, to push back the darkness, to push back the darkness, to push back the darkness. In Jesus' name, raise up, oh God, a warrior mentality. Raise up, oh God, an aggressiveness against the works of the enemy. Father, we pray that gone are the days where we would tolerate the works of the enemy in our midst and not do anything about it. But Father, I pray that you would raise up your people today, that you would raise up your people today, and that not a single person would leave this place, God, without a commitment to attack and to confront every work of darkness that they run into in this life. In Jesus' name, that no idol would stand, that no dark power would stand, that no governing spirit would stand against your church and against your bride in Jesus' name. And we speak victory, O oh God. Victory, O oh God. Victory, O oh God. Victory, O oh God. Over everywhere where you have called us now. Father, we speak the end of this stalemate. And we pray, O oh God, that you would put the Holy Spirit upon us and clothe us with the armor of God and the weapons of righteousness to go out there, God, and to destroy every work of the enemy just as Jesus did. We thank you, O oh God, that you have called us and you have prepared us for this. Thank you, Jesus.
calling it out keep calling it out keep calling it out don't don't give up don't believe press in press in press in press in press in for your victory press in for victory do not don't stand around and just wait for Angela to pray for you she'll come around she'll call you up but just press in press in press in press in in Jesus name authority over every infirmity over every spirit of sickness over all disabling spirits over allergies over everything that we've learned to live with in the name of Jesus in Jesus name victory over illness now in Jesus name victory over infirmities in Jesus name victory over disabling diseases in Jesus name victory over chronic illnesses in Jesus name Victory, oh God, over every form of witchcraft in the name of Jesus, over all occultic activity in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, victory over alcoholism and every addiction in the name of Jesus. Victory over addiction to pornography, to gaming, to gambling, to drugs in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we come against all psychedelic drugs, psychoactive drugs in the name of Jesus. 
in Jesus' name. Every drug addiction off in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. All delusions off in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We cast out every delusion, every spirit of delusion, every spirit of confusion, every muddled spirit in Jesus' name. Every false religion in the name of Jesus. All witchcraft in our families in Jesus' name. All ancestor worship and spiritualism in Jesus' name. All supernatural power outside of the name of Jesus. We cast you out now in the name of Jesus. Off of our families in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The spirit of poverty. The spirit of poverty. There's some people I feel like that are bound by a spirit of poverty. And you can't seem to, to make finances work. And we cast that thing off of you now in the name of Jesus. Authority over poverty in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We break it off of your family in the name of Jesus. They're no longer put up with the families of the children of God not living under the blessings of the Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Press in, press in, press in. Press in, press in, press into His glory. Press into the breakthrough. Press into the breakthrough. Press into the breakthrough. Press into the breakthrough. Our prayer team will make their way around. Press into the breakthrough.